Hello and welcome to Scott Bryant's Fitness Systems. I hope you enjoyed the last podcast with me and my mate Robin Allen talking about the state of the fitness industry and the gyms. And this podcast is all about people that are dying from using fitness equipment in the gym. So this is a bit of uh, comedy as well as a bit of my honest truth about different fitness equipment in the gym. Now, the first thing we need to talk about, uh, I've just been caned on TikTok, no, TikTok, about uh, the Smith machine. Now, the Smith machine in the gym should have a hazard sign around it. If you want to get stronger and if you want to be more powerful, do not use the Smith machine. And I'll tell you why. When back in... uh, 2000 when I was studying with the YMCA to get my personal trainer award I decided to do some Smith machine training for my chest and I went up to uh, 320s aside nearly 420s aside and I was quite pleased with myself that I was doing 3 to 420s each side and getting thought I was getting stronger big mistake So then I went and used a free bar after doing six weeks of Smith machine training uh, for my chest. So inclined chest press and flat chest press. I don't really believe in inclined chest press and I'll say why in a minute. Uh, But using the Smith machine, it killed, weakened my stabilizing muscles. So when I went on to the free bar, like an Olympic bar on a bench, and tried to do some benching with two plates, I was struggling. And it really peed me off because I spent all this amount of time bigging myself up that I was a big ego then, uh, trying to get my chest bigger and stronger. And I went up to, you know, nearly 420s aside for six repetitions for five sets. And I thought I was like, the dog's bollocks because I was so strong. Then went on to the free bar and couldn't do anything. I was I was mortified, totally mortified. So then when I was studying in San Diego, Paul Check spoke about the Swift machine and he said, really, it's for people that are injured, like that have had strokes or people that are just, you know, starting in the gym. It's not designed for doing maximal lifts. So when I was training at Nuffield Health, I would use it to do chin. So I'd bring the bar halfway down, put a Swiss ball at my ankles and then do chin ups. And I found I could hold the chin up for a longer in which squeezing the muscles and really activating the rhomboids, the trapezius and the latimus dorsi. And when doing it on the Swiss ball one legged, I was more unbalanced. So using many more stabilizing muscles. Okay. So that's the first bit of kit that should have a hazard sign on it or should be locked up and only used with uh, a trainer that understands stroke conditions, paraplegics, people that are, you know, disabled and finding it hard to lift heavy free weights. And they need that uh, tracking of the motion of the bar. So then that way they don't lose alignment, they don't fall over. It can help people with back pain as well, but I prefer to use the Swiss ball 
with people with back pain. Like if you want to, if somebody's got back pain and they find it hard to squat, then uh, putting a Swiss ball behind their back at the lumbar curve enables them to do a proper squat with no load in the spine whatsoever. So they will never get lower back pain from doing a squat, a hip extension, uh, supplying lateral ball roll, prone jackknife, all these exercises that Paul designed in which to keep the patient or client out of pain but enabling them to still exercise. So I've had clients with a level of 10 of pain and uh, use these techniques and still give them a great session without them getting injured or feeling pain during the session. So that's the first one, the Smith machine, don't use it. Oh, the next one is the plank. Now the side plank is okay, but depending on what spinal pathology you've got, if you've got a, a disc herniation, or you've got too much lumbar curve, or you've got a nerve innervation that's running down the side of the leg, you've got to be careful. Or nerve pain, sorry. So the side plank is much better than doing the normal plank. If you do the normal plank, unfortunately, 72% of people have a disc herniation or some sort of spinal pathology the the plank is very very uh good for damaging your back more because many people can't hold their abs and squeeze their multifacus muscle at the same time holding that position so and because it's not functional in my opinion you know when you do that position you might do it over your girlfriend or your boyfriend uh if you're a girl or whatever uh it's not really got any function to it, so I never do it. I do the side plank occasionally, uh, but I prefer horse stance to the side plank. Uh, so planking, don't do a plank unless you're a plank. I've done videos on this as well. Uh, so I spoke about the plank. The next one is the leg press. Now, the argument with the leg press is, if I can do six 20s a side to eight 20s a side for six to 12 repetitions why can't I do six 20s a side in the squat rack because it's a different loading that you're putting through the body you're still pushing but you're pushing away from yourself in a different at a different angle so leg pressing is much easier than squatting and squatting, uh, Wag Bennett, who used to train Arnold in the 70s, said that squatting was the best way to keep the testosterone high. And I agree with him in keeping good muscle definition and good gluteus maximus firing. The only thing with a leg press, it can cause damage with the sacroiliac sacri joint in the lower back and give you lower back injury, especially if your lower abdominals are not strong enough. In 95% of clients I've seen, lower abdominals are non-existent in clients. And that's why in the check system, we look at the, the abdominal area from, the, from, a, from a, a muscle point of view. You've got the lower abdominals, the internal, external oblique, and the upper abdominals. And just doing abdominal crunches doesn't train all of them. So you have to work them out individually. So lower abdominals on Monday, 
uh, obliques on Tuesday, uh, upper abdominals on a Wednesday, and lower back on a Thursday, for argument's sake. Or you could do, uh, say, like a jackknife exercise that will work the whole area, but in a different plane of movement. So really important to, if you're suffering with lower back pain, do not use the leg press. Okay, the next uh, bit of kit where there's an argument about is should you do a lat pull down to a chin up? Now, a chin up is open, open plane exercise, whereas a lat pull down is closed plane exercise. So you've got to look at what you really want more. If you want more functional strength, if you're a rock climber uh, or you're a fireman where you're climbing up and down stairs, or let's say uh, you're a builder and you're constantly putting your arms above your head, obviously you would want to do chin-ups and not pull-downs. But if you're somebody that's climbing a ladder, there's a woman up in front of you, you want to pull their underwear down, then maybe you want to do lat pull-downs. But obviously, unless her underwear is made of lead, you wouldn't be pulling the same amount of uh, weight down. And the same with the reverse uh, shoulder press to the front shoulder press. So if you're doing reverse shoulder press, that's been proven to really cause some hindrance and damage in the shoulder capsule and shoulder joints. So by doing it to the front shoulder pressing or doing the check press, which is a great exercise as well, uh, no pain, no stress, no problem with shoulders, but doing pulling the, the lat pull down to the back of your neck and not pressing, uh, not doing front shoulder pressing is more detrimental bringing it down to the rear part of the shoulder. So I never do that. I avoid it like the plague. I've had a shoulder injury from doing dips. I used to do dips with uh, 60 kilos around my waist. And I went too low down. And then I uh, ripped my, damaged my pec a little bit. And then really hurt my shoulder. So since then, I've learnt my lesson. I never do dips anymore. Okay, so we spoke about leg press, uh, overhead pressing, lat pull-downs to chin-ups. Uh, abdominal crunching on the floor to abdominal crunching over a Swiss ball. Now, when you're abdominal crunching on the floor, you're making rectus abdominis too tight. And this will affect your posture, your neck, your jaw alignment and your breathing. But if you're doing it over a Swiss ball... If the body can lean back so far, so check this yourself, stand up and lean back, and you'll see that you can lean back more than what you can be. <coughs> Excuse me. Flat on the floor. So by doing it over the ball, you're doing full range of movement. When you're doing it on the floor, you're restricting your range of movement. Okay? So really, don't do abdominal training on the floor. So... Uh, when I go into a gym, if there's no Swiss balls, then I see if there's a BOSU. If there's no Swiss balls and no BOSU, then really I don't want to train in that gym because it does. It means that it's not very well equipped for the type of training which I do. Now, cardiovascular training, as in 
uh, rowing, 78 to 90% of people that do rowing on a rower will end up with a disc problem uh, because they think they're on a rower in the water and they uh, extend out too far as they're coming back to the coming to the end of the row. Yeah, so as they're, as they're straightening their legs and leaning backwards, they think they've got oars in their hands when they fucking haven't. And they go right the way back and they go forward and over repetition of time, if they're not strengthening their core and their lower back uh, without rowing, then what will happen is, is that they will eventually cause some hindrance or harm in their lower back. I found that with lots of clients as well. And when I tell them they can't use it anymore, they get the right hump. But if you're training with me, you train with me. You don't do your own thing unless you do it when you're on your own. Then I get you to sign my contract. And in my contract, it says that if I tell you not to do something, you must not do it. So say for argument's sake, I've taught you how to get on a Swiss ball and we're in the gym and you decide to jump on the Swiss ball without me telling you to do that. And it's not in the section in your program and you end up hurting yourself, you might want to blame me for that. So what I say to clients from the off, you only do what I ask you to do. And uh, don't mess around. Because if you do, I'll fire you because I don't want it. I've touched wood. I've never had to take a claim on my insurance and I never want to do this. So I always let my clients know I'm in charge when it comes to the session. Uh, you don't try and dominate me when I'm trying to work you out and give you the best possible session I can. And I've had clients try to do this and they I end up getting rid of them because they're just not listening. And uh, why are they paying me 90, 100 pounds an hour and then wanting to do their own crazy stuff and go away from what we're doing? Does that make sense? Okay, so I was going to talk about cardiovascular training. So I prefer cardiovascular training like sprinting on the spot or doing some bag work or uh, doing some uh, doing a heavy circuit with dumbbells than rather using a cardiovascular machine. But saying that, I've had uh, clients that said that they want to climb the Kilimanjaro mountain. So then I'll get the... Uh, the treadmill on a huge incline, then decrease it, then increase it, then decrease it, then increase it, then give them some dumbbells, then take the dumbbells away, then give them a medicine ball, then take that away, then get them to do one leg balancing on the BOSU, then come off of that and put that into their program. So then their body's adjusting to the 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 height of the climb when they're walking because you can really get some calf injuries or get some toe injuries. So I had a client of mine that, uh, where did he go? I can't remember where he went, but he went walking somewhere. And it was up and down mountains. But he told me three weeks before he was going to go. And I went, what are you doing telling me three weeks before? I said, you've got to tell me six months before, three months before. So I can condition you. And guess what? He come back with black toenails. And uh, and damaging his feet. So I just hope that made him learn that, you know, you've got to be conditioned before you do these types of things. Uh, the same as my golfer, uh, my, not my golfers, my skiers. Like my skiing client, 
uh, sorry about that, the stand just fell over. Every time I train a skier, I want to train them at least three to six months before they go skiing. But many of them think that they can, you know, train three to four weeks before they go skiing. Now, speaking to my my skiers, uh, they tell me that they, they're on the piste for like eight hours. And then they wonder why they need to get a massage every day or after the first couple of days before their bodies adjust to it. And that's because they're typically just overtraining and doing it too much. What is wrong with these people? They just don't get it, do they? You know, one hour, that's it. Stop, finish. It's the same when I see boxers and uh, they're doing three-minute rounds and they're doing 12 rounds on the bag in the gym. And I go, well, uh, what, you you going to have a fight with somebody? You you uh, What, you got a competition coming up? Oh, no, no, uh, I'm training to keep fit. But surely... Why would you why would you do 12 rounds? You wouldn't want to do 12 rounds on the street. You wouldn't do 12 rounds in a bar. You want to hit that person that's that's attacking you and knock them out as quick as possible. So my analogy is is that you know if I do any bag work uh I do it at the beginning of my program or it will be bag work only that day if I'm doing boxing or self-defense. And uh, as soon as my form goes or my technique goes, that's it, I stop. Because I uh, I ripped my tricep. I went to hit the bag, bloody missed it, and ripped my tricep completely. This is about 11 years ago. And I couldn't train. I was training lower body, but couldn't train how I normally train. So uh, that was a lesson to me. Then another lesson to me... <laughs> I was in Nuffield Health's gym and uh, I was having a really bad day for some reason. So I put my MMA gloves on and I went straight up to the bag and I whacked it as hard as I could. And the thing fell off the wall and fell on the floor. So I quickly disappeared out of the gym as quick as I could before I got the blame for that. Uh, But I just think it wasn't drilled in or fixed in hard enough into the wall. Uh, and that's why uh, it broke and fell off the wall. Uh, but that's the gym's fault for not uh, securing it properly. But that's what I would do if I was doing any boxing training. Never 12 rounds, never four or five rounds. Uh, it'll be uh, one three-minute round or two-minute three-minute rounds. Where I'm... hit. Uh, I, I wouldn't just... Uh, Jab, hook, and uppercut. Jab, hook, uppercut, headbutt, knee, uh, kick, front kick. Uh, just putting everything in there because when you get into a street fight, you never see it really technical fighting, do you? You see it goes all over the place. Uh, but normally, from my doorman experience, if you stand in a good stance, fighting stance with your hands uh, up near your chest, and ready, normally that person can see that you know what you're doing. And normally, sometimes they, they back down or think again. So cardiovascular training. So if I had my own gym, there would be no cardiovascular machines in the gym. 
the guys that would work for me would have enough knowledge to give you a great workout without using any of them bits of kit. But I know sometimes if you've got cardiac rehab or you've got uh, other health complaints, maybe you've got ME or uh, or you've just got some, you know, you're just really starting in exercise, then just doing 15 minutes on the treadmill really slowly can have huge benefit. But I use uh, Swiss balls for warming up myself and my clients because it warms up the whole body in multiple movement planes, whereas putting one leg in front of the other is not multiple plane move, uh, warming up. You're only doing one plane of movement of warming up. And many people don't swing their hips from side to side and jab up in the air and kick their legs in the air like Bruce Lee used to in his movies before he had a fight scene. Or before I train, you see me warm up every part of my body. I must admit, I do see a lot of Polish people where they uh, rapidly uh, uh, really twist their wrists and shoulders and all that type of stuff. I don't know whether that's lack of knowledge or whether that's just been how they've been trained by their trainers in Poland and Russia and places like that. Because I know they think they do things very differently compared to what we do in Britain. So stay away from the cardiovascular machine, stay away from the uh, the Smith machine, the leg leg press. Oh, another one is the inner and outer adductor. Now, I don't know why girls and some guys do these exercises. I just think they're a waste of time compared to doing squatting and multiple directional lunging will hit all the areas of the legs that you need to hit. I just think people think, oh, I feel it in me in a thigh. Oh, my inner thighs are getting smaller. But it's bollocks because you can't, you can't spot reduced fat. But what you can do in the Charles Parlequin system, which I want to study next year, uh, biosignature, where you uh, take body fat caliper measurements from 12 different sites of the body, which enable you to... Uh, understand why the person's got big lum handles why the person's got more fat on their bum than what they've got on their face or why they've got clinomasty in a man what a man's got man boobs uh too much estrogen too much steroid to take in and not doing it in the correct way uh so this is something else that I will be doing videos, uh, podcasts on later about the biosignature system and how uh, everybody that I've seen that's used the bio the biosig system uh, online so far have all been ripped in superb shape. Uh, now, I use metabolic typing and functional diagnostic nutrition. And metabolic typing, there's no body fat caliper measurements at all. And with functional diagnostic nutrition, there's no uh, body fat caliper testing. But I've got my own Harpington's body fat calipers, which I use with clients, if they specifically want to know their body fat. Because when you stand on them scales that say they test your whole body fat, they don't. They just tell you how fucking fat your legs are. Nothing else. So don't use them. Come and see me and have a good uh, body fat caliper measurement. Uh, yeah, so biosig. So going back to uh, gym equipment, medicine balls are brilliant, Swiss balls are brilliant, 
Anything with ball at the end is brilliant. Only joking. Uh, go to my uh, Facebook and I've got uh, No Ball uh, Fitness uh, Podcast, which is a private group, which any anyone can join if I let them join. And I post a lot of stuff on there as well. So if you can join that if you want to. Uh, so on top of that, what other bits of kit are good? Oh, doing incline, decline, uh, bench press. Is it really worth it? I don't think it is unless you've got a mammoth chest. If you've got a, you know, 45, maybe 50, maybe a 50 inch chest, you might want to do incline flat and decline. Uh, but overall, I think what's more important is for you to have gargantium bench press. If you've got gargantium bench press, uh, then you know that your chest is really strong and should be a good size. But if you've got a, a flat chest and you're trying to get it big, but you're doing incline, decline, flat, cable crossovers, dumbbell flies, all in one session, you won't grow. Because you're doing too many exercises, twat face. So reduce it. And concentrate on getting stronger to get size, like Arnold did when he first started training. He won everything he could in powerlifting. Then he went into bodybuilding. So he built a great foundation, not a foundation on sand. So the inner outer adductor I don't like. Cardiovascular machines I don't really like. Cable crossover, pulling, pushing and all that. Love all that. Seated cable pull yeah like that but prefer to do it on a swiss ball uh what else is there in the gym that i like and don't like i love dumbbells doing farmer's walks love kettlebells doing uh farmer's walks with kettlebells what else do i love uh assisted chins i think is good you know if you're trying to build up your chin ups especially if you're a woman I would get you to do half chins and then slowly uh, progress you to full chins. The same with press-ups, get you to do them on the wall first, then progress to doing them on the Swiss ball at your stomach area, moving the Swiss ball down to your thighs, then down to your knees, then down to your ankles, then down to your toes, then down to one leg, then down to no Swiss ball. If you wanted to perfect, perfect press-ups. Uh, which I find that when people can do press-ups, they find it easier to say no. And they seem to be, especially females, seem to be empowered that they can do more press-ups than what their boyfriend can. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what other machines? Oh, uh, have you ever seen the ab roller? A lot of gyms have not got them now, but some of them have. Now, when you're doing the ab roller, it's a complete waste of time. One, you're doing it on the floor. Two, uh, the machine's doing the fucking work. You, your abs are not. Uh, four, you're not working for function, so don't even bother. Uh, the next thing, the, use, the biggest useless bit of equipment, apart from if you use it smartly, is a weightlifting belt. So if you're wearing a weightlifting belt in the gym, you will be pushing against it, which is going against the way your kinesiology of your abdominals work. So you'll be pushing out, which means that the fracolumbar fascia will be uh, 
flexed out and not pulled in tight in which to support L5S1 of your back. So I'd say 90.9% .9 of guys in the gym and girls are wearing a weightlifting belt all the time. One, because of to make their waist look smaller and their top half look bigger. Two, because they've got some sort of spinal pathology, but they don't know what it is. And because they don't know what it is, they think by wearing a weightlifting belt, it will stop them getting more back pain or prevent them from getting back pain. Now, if you wore a knee brace every day on your knee because you injured it and you kept wearing it, your knee wouldn't recover simply because the body has no reason to recover because it's using that support all the time. And this is the same with the abdominal wall. And this is why when you go and see a physio, they may tape you until you're out of pain and you've learnt the exercise. Then they take the tape off. They don't keep taping you week in, week out, month in, month out, because they know the muscle will atrophy. The same as when you break your leg. If you break your leg, you're in plaster for so many weeks. Well, they don't use plaster now. They use something else now, and it's some sort of harness stuff that they put on your leg. Um, and you're in that until the, the break is repaired and then you're back to normal. So why don't people understand this when it comes to weightlifting belts? And powerlifters with big fucking guts. It looks horrible. At least uh, Eddie Hulse, has, uh, uh, last time I saw him, he had a good six-pack, but really still looks a bit overweight and drinks too much... Uh, sugar water as in he thinks it's good drinking cranberry juice but the cranberry juice is highly processed it's just pure sugar water he's putting inside his body but that shows lack of education on his point of view the same as him having the world record for the deadlift which was great but it wasn't natural and if you think it was natural you're fucking stupid wake up uh, and the same with all-round sport you know I was a great fan of, in the 90s, of the Dark Destroyer. What was his name? Steve, what's the Dark Destroyer's name? Can't remember it. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute. But he was in the army and uh, really good record of, you know, when he got into boxing in the army, then started boxing. And the reason why I'm mentioning him, because... He admitted that he took huge amounts of steroids and took huge amounts of ecstasy and he was addicted to it. Uh can see his face, but what's his fucking name? Steve, what's his name? Tell me, tell me. Can't think of his name. Uh, so if you think in anyone in top athlete's performance will be taking some performance enhancing drugs. And unfortunately, Linford Christie got caught a couple of times. But if you if you see when he first started uh, training for the 100 metres and you see how much his size changed, that would tell you straight away. The same with uh, AJ, you know, the boxer. He's just been caught taking stuff or not just been, you know, in his early career, he got caught taking stuff. So... Uh, if you believe it doesn't happen, then just wake up. The same with the footballers, same with rugby players. They're all enhancing it somehow. Uh, but I'm not totally dead against it, because if everyone else is taking it, 
and this is between the difference between you getting a huge contract and not, you're going to be tempted, aren't you? You know what I mean? To get your sports performance up. Uh, I'm just against the people that do it, that not under a doctor, not under somebody that really knows what they're doing. They just do it because their mate says to do it. You know, I've got bigger arms and I took some sus, or I've got bigger arms, i got to put some Dynabold. Uh, I think you should really educate yourself about what you're doing and have your bloods checked every month to make sure you're not growing a tumour or you're not enhancing some disease because you got some uh, steroids from India. So that's just my whole view on some bits of a kit and bits of equipment. Oh, the, the ab toner doesn't work neither, so don't buy that. Just around the corner, they just opened up a, the biggest vibrator, the biggest vibrating gym in London, where you can stand there and be vibrated for, for an hour, and they say it's the equivalent to doing four hours. Now, who the hell would train for four hours in a gym? Nobody. Hopefully. Hopefully everyone's educated enough to only be in there for 45, 50 minutes. Sometimes I'm in there 10, 20 minutes, depending on how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. Uh, so this vibrating thing up the road, a couple of local people said to me, they went in there and they're charging £45 a month and you can only try it once. You can only go there once. £45 a month. But you go to the local gym for £23 and go as many times as you like. Sounds like a rip-off to me. They sent me a, an email and they tried to call me, come and have a go. And I'm like, look, I've got enough of my girlfriend's vibrator without without being vibrated by you. Uh, but I've got the Ferragun and the Ferragun is really, really powerful vibration for loosening off the muscle. Uh, I love that thing, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to stand in certain positions and not exercise properly with a vibrating uh, vest on or whatever they've got. Uh, they can shove that up right up their poopy track. All right, and I hope you've enjoyed this uh, podcast this morning. Uh, and I hope you listened to the one with me and my mate Robin Allen, just having a giggle. Uh, if you did get offended by my podcast today, please look in the mirror and go, why am I being offended by what Scott's saying? It's obviously your issue and not mine. So uh, the next podcast I will do. What should I do it on? Oh, I'll do it on fad diets. Fitness and fad diets. And remember, if any of you buddy listeners out there that want to be on my podcast... We can, I think we can record it over the phone. I've not tried it yet, but I will try it. And uh, we could do a podcast and we can mention your name and help get your name out there if you're a budding trainer or you're somebody that's into weightlifting, bodybuilding or conditioning. Or you may be an athlete that wants to talk about, you know, your drug taking or why you think I'm an idiot for talking about that type of stuff. Uh It'll be really interesting to get somebody uh, different on the podcast. So I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe. Please like. Please share. Please go to my YouTube channel. 2,000 videos on there or over 2,000 videos now. 
I've got an Instagram as well, Scott Bryant's Fitness. And I'm on uh, uh, TikTok or TikTok. And, well, I'm everywhere, so just check me out. And if you want to buy my book, Holistic Health for Proper Geezers, Classy Ladies, Get the Body and Fitness You Want Now, I think it's the price of a coffee and a cake. So you'll lose weight by buying my book and you'll save money on buying expensive coffee. Uh, So look forward to chatting to you again soon. Peace out. Lots of love. Bye.